Hello everybody, how's it going? This is episode 12 with Sean from Ingested. Ingested have just remastered and re-released their debut EP, which is 15 years old this year. Uh, you should definitely go check that out. It's a really cool piece of the band's history to listen to, for new school fans especially. And also their new record is really, really good. Definitely check both of those out. Yeah, I had a really good chat with Sean. It was really nice to talk to him. He speaks about the band breaking out, like the UK underground death metal scene, them going to Europe and America for the first time. The band putting out a record recently and not being able to tour it and having an experience with the whole live stream situation. Dealings with the UK press, with record labels, how the band formed basically and how all their influences tied together to become the sound that Ingested is. How he got into music, um and how music became such an important part of his life. And yeah, it was a really cool conversation to have. And yeah, we covered a lot. So check it out. And yeah, keep staying positive, staying healthy, staying true to yourself. And yeah, keep it real. Thanks again for listening. Yeah, mate, chilling. Not too bad, thanks. Thanks for coming on tonight. I do really do appreciate it. It's all right. No worries. How was your day? Uh, busy. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a posty by day, so. Oh, sick, man. How long have you been doing that? Technically, seven years. Oh, right. Do you well, I did have, um, yeah. Go on, I sorry. had two years off. Right. Obviously, when the band went full time. Yeah, man. You uh, I, I wear shorts loads, so I see people out in the street and they always tell me, like, I should be a postman, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've only just recently switched on to me pants, to be fair. They'd have them deep into December, so. Oh, did you? Yeah, fair play, man. I respect how far you went on the calendar. <laughs> right, a passage, I guess. You get you get the nick to take out if you don't, you know, wear them for longer. That is how it goes, yeah. The longer mm-hmm. the shins are exposed, yeah, the more accepted you are in the, in, in the staff room. I'd say so, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, man. Um, I wanted to talk about the EP that was recently remastered and re-released. Yeah. Um, why... Did you choose to remaster this? Essentially, what was the what did you think it would bring to the table again? Like you know, fifteen years on now. I mean, COVID helped because it left us with a lot of downtime, a lot of thinking to do. So yeah. um, I think we did try and remix it, probably probably close to ten years ago now. Oh really? Okay, yeah. Because um, I found a random a random CD in my house, and we looked at it, and it had uh, all the stems from it, but. We just didn't get around to doing it. It was just too difficult to do on our own anyway. Yeah. But then I think Lynn got talking to Joe, who plays bass in Crepitation. So back then, yeah, um, he wasn't playing from back then, but I was. Uh, some, for some reason, he got hold of all the stuff and he mentioned that he had all the stems for our side of the split CD because it originally was a split CD. And um, yeah, he sent them over. And Lynn lives in Palmer and he's one of his best mates there, owns a studio. And he said, you know, why not give it to him, see if he can do anything with it. And to be fair, it's not been released anywhere. Never got, a, it's not on any digital platforms. No, it's no. been long out of press as far as the split's concerned. So yeah, why not? The band turns 15 this year. So we thought it might, you know, be yeah. a good things to do for everybody. Yeah. How is it reflecting on the music of that EP? Do you look back on it with a lot of fond memories or do you, do you look back and think, oh, what was I doing? Or is it, is it, is it, is it a very happy time to reflect on? I, I don't look back and think, what was I doing? We were kids back then, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I would have been 
you know, some of us were 19. I think Sam was 16 when we did it. Yeah, man. So I think we're, yeah, we're, around, yeah. we're around 19. Yeah. Um, you're just youthful, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? You listen to the music and it's like, we were writing what we wanted to listen to back then. You know, yeah. it's, it's a product of its time. You know, it's, you can hear the early influences of the band, you know, that slam thing, that kind of groove. You know, you can hear things like development in there and all sorts of things. So, no, it was good. Um, we didn't know what we are doing. It was, we're complete amateurs back then. You can hear it in the recording. You can hear, you know, the rough patches. Um, we didn't have any studio experience. And the guy recording us as well, he had never done metal bands before, so we didn't really know what he was doing. So it was just Oh, really? That's things. interesting. Yeah, the Gazer had never worked with like a heavy project ever. No, not at all. I think how, it was how was PJ, that? It was PJ Harvey's bass player, if you know who PJ Harvey is. Yeah, yeah, man. It was was their bass player at the time, if I I remember correctly. Yeah, so like, Um, I knew it was like 15 years ago. Do you remember like going into that and this guy was, he'd never done a heavy project. How was it working with somebody who was, was he completely like alien towards it or did he have some sort of knowledge? Or how was it working with, you know, somebody who wasn't? Yeah. I'm just trying to think back. I mean, uh, we, we were using triggers back then. I'm not sure. Real. He knew he, he knew he knew his way around everything. Do you know what I mean? But I remember yeah, yeah. making I remember making a comment actually oh, before yeah. we started recording guitars because I was getting um I my dad had got me a PV fifty one fifty for Christmas and it was oh, October yeah. of two thousand six when we went in there. So I was like, "Fuck, am we getting this?" Okay, he, goes, he, he held his nose up and went fucking PV shit, and I was like. What are the best amps I've made? Like for yeah, metal, yeah. what are you talking about? You fucking lunatic! So that's the kind of mentality we were working with back then. Right? Okay. Yeah. 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 It's like two different worlds colliding to make a yeah. like a product in unison. Not yeah. Did you did you think fans would um, was a part of like re-releasing this to give fans music that they probably have overlooked or not had a chance to experience from the band's back catalogue? Uh, it wasn't for those fans, to be honest. It was for the original fans that have been yeah. asking about it for so long. You know. I, I don't expect any of the new school fans to really get too much musically from it mm. because again, it's, it's, you know, it's quite far removed from what we've been doing recently, but it was yeah, definitely not, it was definitely a nod to all the old school fans back then. Yes. So they're the ones that, I guess they're the ones that were picking up the people that I've seen comment on stuff and people that I've known for years have just gone I'm amazing. I'm glad you've done this and definitely picking it up. So yeah. Is that something you needed to do to kind of like, you know, give them some satisfaction? And like stop stop the questions really just to kind of staple it in like the history of ingested. We'd long written it off and just wanted to, you know, yeah, move forget on. the whole thing just because it sounds it, it's just so rough to listen to. But yeah, you know, even when Lynn turned around and said I'm gonna let Nikov look at it, I went fucking good luck, mate. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah. Once I started getting some things back, I was like, how how has he done this? Like, yeah, it, it's a rough recording because I remember, like I said before, me and Sam. Our other guitar player looked at the stems and, like, you know, isolated certain things. I'm like, oh, this is, this is rough, bro. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. uh, so he sent me a mix for it. I went, fucking hell, maybe, maybe I don't have to, you know, shun this away. Do you know what I mean? Maybe I can somewhat look back and appreciate it and, you know. Yeah. Display you know, it, display it for the, for, the, for the masses, basically. Yeah. It's nice to wear the roots in it, people. Some people give a shit, don't they? Do you know what I mean? Of course, man. Yeah, people have never yeah. heard us before. They, they might, they might not know, you know, where we where we came from or how we started. But you know, those are our origins. That's what we were doing. Yeah, it's it's good to add, like, to get that chronological aspect going as well. I reckon. There's been people like 
we've had a couple of people from various independent underground kind of labels asking to press it, but to repress the whole thing. This yeah. has happened through the years. We're like, eh, no, probably yeah. not. And then we started thinking, why? Why would we need to? Re- why would we need to release it as a three, as a split, like it was before? Yeah, yeah. Because you know, castrated. You know, they've been pretty quiet. Crepitation do their own thing. It's like, why would we pay? Why would you give us a cut of? I just didn't. It didn't make any sense. It was like, well, if we're ever going to do this, we'll do it on our own. Mm. And then eventually, this is where we are. We'll, of course, we'll do it on our own. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I get, yeah. Because if it, yeah, it was like a split project before. Um, yeah. It was never, it's never its own thing. So it's, at least now it could be its own thing. Yeah, it's nice to give it its own platform as well, I reckon, to stand yeah. upon. Um, do you think um, from that, it's been a natural progression in sound and performing and writing? It's 100%. We're all the same members. So, you know, we're 15 years in the game now. Um, we've never really, you know, took a complete left turn on a release. It's, you, can, you can hear, you know. Yeah us evolving as a band maybe the surreption might have been a slightly left you know left left field because it, it was somewhat of a departure from the first album but you know you can still you can even listen back to the surreption you can hear um elements of what would come slightly afterwards you know what i mean maybe it was a little bit too quick the way we did a change that way that's the only thing i'd say but apart from the surreption i think everything that's come after that you can hear you know a slow progression you can hear influences coming here and there and us taking you know different risks on albums introducing something slightly but we've never gone yeah we're doing this now mm. fuck the other shit so but you get, that's naturally going to happen having the same members you, you you hear bands that you know oh they've got a whole different lineup and then the next album's like fucking hell with these they don't sound like the last band and yeah. you know that could be that could be good and bad do you know what i mean but mm. for us i think it's it's nicer to look back and see the way we've you know we've gone through uh, each release because I just think it's more important. You can hear a natural progression. It's you know it's it's us it's us naturally aging and you know naturally getting better at our instruments, which you know hopefully in turn gives you better songs, gives you better material. Was it uh, was it always a goal to kind of achieve that signature slam sound that the band has? Because like to me, like there is some heavy slam elements, obviously, but then there's always been like a, a big death metal like path being taken at times I think on, on every record do you think you've kind of fluctuated between the two and has it ever been a goal to pick a side or is it just how it's naturally gone uh, we definitely picked a side on the early days we wanted to be a slam band that yeah. was just what we were into we really relied on that heavy groove um, surpassing the boundaries is a prime example why we had that's that's what we were doing back then but even then you could start hearing on Sebastian Key a little I guess you call them death call influences coming in and stuff like that. But the backbone of the band is death metal without question. So no matter if you're going to hear a breakdown, a slam or whatever, there's still going to be that death metal element all the way through. Yeah, for sure. Um, what were your, you talk about like death metal being the prime influence. What were your biggest like musical inspirations then? Was there like specific death metal records that you heard growing up that really inspired this band to begin? And what was like, the band feeling in unison of, of a sound or a band they wanted to like look up to essentially. It's funny you say that because each individual member did even before we were all together as a band like Lynn. Lynn's kind of more I remember meeting him and he was he, you know he's into all the, the DSI stuff, the Vaders. He, he had a quite a traditional yeah, but in, you know interest in death metal. But yeah. he did like the same thing as we did but we all kind of started our own little ways. Like Jay was 
remember first meeting Jay was into Lama God and uh, obituary, mm. decapitated, stuff like that. But me and Sam were more like suffocation, dying fetus, devourment, you know, yeah. that kind of side of things. But then once we got in the band together, we shared those influences and we grew together like that. The influences were all, were all there. We're all in, in, in sync with what we wanted to do with the band. Yeah. And we did the, all enjoy the, the, the same kind of death metal. Yeah, you talk about suffocation there. I saw you play with suffocation in Canada like probably a year and a half ago-ish now. How, how, how is it like when you go from some guys in a practice room talking about records that you like to actually touring with these people? How was doing a tour like that in like North America? <laughs> Sometimes, like, it, because we've been doing these kind of things for so long, yeah, you do, you do forget to stand there and go, fucking hell, wait a minute. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you'd have told me when I was 19 that I'd, you know, I'd be mates with suffocation, <laughs> I've been on tour with Nile, gone to a cannibal corpse. I've been on tour with Dying Fetus, you know, this kind of thing. Yeah. It, it, it'd be mental, but, you know, it's a kind of testament to what we've been doing. We've, we've been chugging away for the past 15 years. This is the kind of, kind of success, if you want to call it, what we've wanted to do. And to be rolling with the big boys like Suffocation and stuff, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, yeah, it's, what, what, what we could only have dreamt of when we were 19. Yeah, quite literally, man. Um, why do you think Ingested took it this far then compared to a lot of others who kind of fell off? Um, what made you, your music stand out above the rest of it? We just had bigger aspirations than where we started. What we were doing, when we first got onto the gigging circuit, there was yeah. a very elitist, small death metal scene, underground death metal scene. Yeah, there was. Every, yeah, yeah. You'd, see the, you'd see the same people at the shows, you know, the, the same promoters we're putting on the shows. They'd be promoter putting on the Manchester show of a particular tour, the same promoter putting London show on. And it was just like that for a number of years. Wow, that's so mad. Yeah. But we would play and see the same bands. And like, you could just tell from the mentality of the way they were that they, they, they were happy with what this was. You can't break out of this circle. This is, this is sacred. This is our death metal scene. And we always went, no, we're better than you. And we're better than you. And we're going to do better things than this. But we, we, we always had that. We enjoyed that kind of little that little bubble that we had at the earlier kind of beginnings of the band and we enjoyed that but we always had aspirations to go bigger and we proved that we you know we're 15 years in the game now I remember we're like once we signed that contract with Siege of Amida just before Surpassing came out that there used to be a, there used to be a forum called the Development Forum um, where all those underground sort of people would just fucking slag us off say oh you're not going to last you're not going to last a year that kind of thing that's what we dealt with and once we did sign that contract and then release a pattern and then started doing different things. That kind of scene shunned us a little bit and like, you know, fuck you guys, you're not going to do nothing. You're not, you're not part of us anymore. And it was a weird kind of little transition that, that kind of period for us, like 2007, 2008, where we were trying to get into these areas and trying to get bigger than what we were. But, you know, I see those people every now and then from the, from the scene back then. And they're, they've grown up. Do you know what I mean? They're like, fucking great. Well done. It's amazing to see that you're still going. You've done all this kind of thing. And that's nice to see because earlier on, 10 years, you know, 12 years down before, like, they won't really talk to us. It was all a bit weird. It's like, you've, you know, you've left us kind of thing. Yeah. But um, I look at it now, there's no band left from back then. There's not one band together apart from Crepitation. But again, they've gone through about 30 members. So, yeah, it's not really it. them. Yeah, it's not really you can't them. can't call it the same band anymore. Me and Lynn aren't in the band anymore. And it's, yeah. It's not the same. But I'm glad they're still plugging away because, you know, Mark's in the band and Mark was in the band when I was in the band. So that's fucking sweet. Mark's cool as fuck. Yeah. But apart from them, I can't name any other bands that are still around. 
apart from a band called Twitch of the Deaf Nerve, they've recently come back. But the majority of that scene's gone. It's disappeared. They didn't do anything. Yeah, because it's like, how did, how did you branch out then to begin with? Like, how, how did you actually step out from that like very underground like UK subgenre? What moves did you make to begin with to kind of get the ball rolling, step outside the circle? And was it very difficult at first? It was scary at first, for sure, because yeah. we were worried what everyone would think. Um, I reckon once we started doing London shows, they used to, we used to, once the split came out, we, we were signed to Grind Ethic Records. So they, he, they, that, they would put on like a showcase in London called the Anti-Christmas Bash. Okay. Um, it'd be mostly Grind Ethic bands. And it was down in London. And a band called Dead Beyond Buried at the time had um, recently signed to Siege of Amida. Um, and we got friendly with them. We, you know, we played a few shows with them kind of thing. And I think one of the members of Debbie on Baird invited the, the person who works at label, Jamie Graham, to one of our shows and said, you should probably fucking sign this band. And that's kind of it, really. We, you know, we got that offer through. And back then, I remember going to like H&V and seeing the, the, the slightly smaller band with the Siege of Amida logo. And I'm like, I want to be fucking part of this. And so once I knew they, they were interested, I remember getting it. I can't remember how the conversation went, but I remember us sitting down in a pub with the, with the contract. I'm going, we need to do this, don't we? We're all pretty happy about it. Bit scared, but we're happy. Um, those, that was the first initial move. One of the boys we knew invited a guy down. He liked what we were doing. We liked what he was doing. We thought that was the that was this is the perfect way to go somewhere. And the rest is, I guess, history. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly, man. How was it when you first started going over to mainland Europe? Because I spoke to some people who play heavier stuff and they've said some of mainland Europe can be very tough crowds. How was it when you first started going over there? Was it very daunting? Because obviously you're going over there feeling very confident within yourselves about what's happening in the UK. And then was it um, like starting again at times? Well, the first time we actually played into mainland, we played Mountains of Death Festival in 2007. And that right. was... It was just a similar thing to what, what we were used to in the yeah. UK. It was just, it was death metal bands, underground death metal bands, grind bands. It, was, it wasn't a massive thing, but it was, it was cool to us. Um, we're lucky the first time Ingested toured Europe was a fucking huge tour. So we did all right. Like We, yeah. we did Bone Crusher Festival in 2010. It was our first European tour. Me and Lynn, me and Lynn were in annotations and autopsy before then. Yeah. So we'd been in, we, we went to the first time we went to Europe was without annotations and the Acacia Stream were headlining. So we already got a taste of it. Yeah. So once and Jesse went to the Europe, it was, you know, Black Dahlia Murder, The Faceless, Carnifex, Obscura, Three Inches of Blood. It, it was a, that, a huge talk. Yeah. Fucking sick. Um, yeah. yeah I, I would like to talk to you about when, when did you start playing guitar and how did music come into your life and when did you think music was a path that you wanted to pursue and give so much time and effort into? Uh, my dad uh, worked on the radio and so there's always music going on. Um, my brother was, started, my brother picked up a guitar and he was like a fucking seven or eight. So it was always in the house. He was playing guitar. He was doing his thing. I was just a, a kid who wanted to play with guns and fucking <laughs> yeah. smash things. So I don't really care about it. But um, once, I, once metal music became a passion of mine, that's kind of what I wanted to do. I'd probably, I'd probably even say getting excited about wanting to play music. You know, it was bands like Korn and Slipknot, that kind of shit. Um, 
because I w- I've been listening to metal since I, I, you can even pinpoint it because I remember the, the time and the period because my dad would get CDs, obviously promotional uh, copies of stuff. And yeah. um, my, my best mate's brother was into the Prodigy, and which meant I wanted to be into the Prodigy because, you know, you look up to your, your, your best mate's big brother's oh, he's so fucking cool. So he gave yeah. me a, a, the tape of the Prodigy experience. My dad was like, what are you listening to? He's lent me this. He's like, right, okay, cool. So I went, my brother liked Oasis and I like this. So my dad just gave me all the Prodigy shit he could get hold of. So that was that. was that. But I remember he came home with, he used to come home with some weird shit, man. He's like, oh, you probably like this, stick it on. And there's the stuff like Claw, if you ever, a band called Clawfinger, a couple of promos of them, listen to them. And But one of the things he had, he had Astro Creep 2000 by White Zombie. That was 1994. Because that's what yeah, came no. out. Yeah, sick. So I had that and I was like, what the fuck is this? And then he brought <laughs> home a, a Kerrang compilation CD, which I've still got. Yeah. Kind of, it's called Razor Cuts or something like that. And it, it had Davidian Machine Head. Yeah. Oh, sick song. Uh, Tales, of the, Tales of the Hard Side or Dark Side? Tales of the Hard Side? Uh, Biohazard. Yeah. Um, it had. Body count on it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. This is proper like 94, 95. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that, that was what was on it. And that's, that was, I remember going, this is great. I like all of this shit. Mm. But playing an instrument didn't kick in until high school, definitely. Once I started going to gigs, like proper going to gigs and stuff, that's when my interest perked up. And two of my mates at the time were playing guitar, were picking up the guitar. Yeah. And I was like, oh, maybe I should try and play bass and get in a band with these. But by the time I managed to, I bought a bass off my mate at school. By the time I was trying to play, they'd already moved on from corn, and they were like trying to play Incubus and shit. And I was like, eh, I'm not down with that shit. So yeah, I yeah. didn't, I didn't, I didn't try and get in the band with them. I couldn't be bothered. But I'll do it my fucking self. And I remember, I remember my careers. You, you had a careers um, advice kind of yeah, okay, meeting, yeah, meeting yeah. before you left high school. It's like, what? Okay, what are your plans? What do you want to do? What job do you want to have? I went, I want to be in a band. That's what I wanted to do. I want to be in a band. And then, so once I moved to Reddish, which is where, where Sam was living, our guitar player at the time, we were both into skateboarding. And I remember the first kind of few weeks of me living there and I saw this other long-haired dude outside skateboarding. I went, who's this fucking guy? Mm. So once I met with him and we started skateboarding, he was playing guitar at the time. So once I figured out, right, this is a way in here. He plays guitar, I'll play bass. So we would jam together, he'd play guitar and I'd play bass. Awfully, we could, didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Yeah, okay. well, eventually, I went, ah, fuck this, I'm going to play guitar. So I just started picking up guitar, and me and Sam started jamming, and then that's kind of the origins of it all to what we are now. Yeah. It's a, where did you first kind of like, because you spoke about like bands like Suffocation, for example, when did you first get into them? Because you talk about like Slipknot Corn and then you're know, getting into Machine Head. When did you first discover in the, the, you know, the extreme side of, of heavy music? Um, I guess once you start going to shows, there's, there's different bands that kind of, yeah, that kind of support, and so you kind of like branching out at the time. And there was a period after the initial kind of like corn and slipknot thing. Yeah. Um, I'm not entirely sure how the fuck I ended up on it, but I was into UK hardcore. Oh yeah, sick. Black there's a record label back then called Blackfish Records, which had bands like Stamping Ground. Um, Kanan, uh, Knuckle Dust, that kind of hardcore, where it's called metallic hardcore, yeah. more of a metal edge to it. With yeah, yeah. and I, 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 I was in all that kind of shit. But I don't know. You, you go to HMV, you just take a risk on stuff. Like I remember just getting a relapse compilation, Contaminated, it was called. 
And it had, yeah. that's when that's that's one of your dying feet. It's Nile suffocation. Dylan's escape plan, cephalic carnage, pig destroyer. That's that opened up a whole different kind of kind of thing for me. So then once you start developing that and you I like this band, I'll buy this album. This has got a weird squiggly logo. There's a band here with a squiggly logo. And back then at HV, you could get, take the CD to the fucking desk and listen to it before you bought it. Yeah. And so that's how I, and then you start just grabbing shit and listening to it. I remember getting um there was a band called Severe Torture sat there and I went, this looks amazing. So we just bought it all. I'm like, Severe Torture are amazing. So that's where you start going down rabbit holes and getting even heavier and finding heavier shit. So it's just, just kind of things like that, man. Yeah, you sound you sound like you were very open-minded uh, as, as like a teenager. Um, do you think like the modern day with technology and Spotify and everything being so available, like you can change a song within 10 seconds just by like tapping your thumb twice. Yeah. Do you think, think the way people consume music is incredibly different and people have a much shorter attention span. And uh, would you maybe write for that? Maybe. No, nah, they've definitely got a, a short attention span. And like yeah. just talking about discovering bands, you'd buy the CD, you'd enjoy it as a full piece. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's how it was intended back then. We still do that kind of thing. We sequence it in a certain way, you put songs in a certain way because it's yeah. meant to be listened in, in full. I know a lot of bands go for, here's a single, here's a single, here's a single, whatever, who gives a shit. But yeah. like I said, getting a CD and looking... But then they'd thank bands and then you just look, who's this band? And then you just start looking for these bands that they like. That's how that's how I, you know, figured out bands. You know, if they if this band, I like this band right now, if they're thanking this band, I must like them. So I'm gonna go and fucking buy it. So that's the kind of way you discover music. Nowadays it is easy to skip and you're not enjoying the full thing, then it's it's a bit of a shame, I think, but it's pros and cons, isn't it? Yeah. It's, one side of the coin you're like it's oversaturated is just too much content the other side of the coin is like oh look this person from I don't know Israel might have never in my band before now they've got Spotify now they can hear it so yeah, where do you fucking find the middle ground for it yeah exactly it's um you say, you say you're right with that big album track list in order. Do you think that people within like the modern scene and people making death metal music in 2020 2021 don't do that anymore and do you notice a change in new material I mean there's got to be bands out there that still care about the full piece but I had this conversation with some of, some of the members of the band today like you know you'll hear a new track from someone and you're like everyone loves it and you don't seem to understand it it's like yeah, yeah it's okay it's cool it's cool but why is everyone loving it to pieces but I get I guess you know we're hitting our mid 30s at this point now so I just think like we did when we were 19, we're like this, this brutal slam band, we're better than all these bands. And you, you just grow old, don't you? Like you don't, I don't think I'm as quite attached to the new music. I, I hear, you know, a collection of bands that sound a certain way. Yeah. And it just makes me feel a bit old because I'm not quite connecting to it. Do you know what I mean? It's not got the same kind of, kind of backbone of death metal that I want to hear with certain other bands. So I'm just accepting that as a thing where it's moving, it's moving, it's moving forward. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's not. It's not really my scene anymore. Do you know what I mean? We we do what we do now, and that's I guess I guess with the old. I guess it's like us looking back at suffocation when we were like twenty, going, "Hey, these old dudes, you know? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Now we're the yeah. old dudes. I guess I don't really know. It's weird. It's weird to fucking wrap your head around. Yeah, do you see ingested becoming that having that status for like the modern scene? Of I'd love to. Yeah, obviously. I'd love yeah. to. I think I think we should have some sort of regarded legacy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, those yeah. bands, are, but the thing is, those bands are still around. Mm, you look back yeah. at a 
when you see a band like Cryptopsy on the bill, Suffocation on the bill, Nile on the bill, those those are legacy bands, those huge bands. They're yeah. always going to have that following. They're always going to have that, yeah, know, yeah, that, that pedestal to be. If they're still around, that means bands like us that have been going still long enough, not as long as them, but surely there's got to be a point where we do are respected in that kind of, or seen in that light at some point. I mean, it's not now, but I'd like to think we, we should do. You know, we've been going 15 years now. We've been an international touring band for fucking half a decade. Yeah. At least. Um, yeah, we've got yeah. five albums out now. We've got eight CDs out. You know, when's that? When's, when do we get when do we get that kind of props? But we'll see. I don't know, man. It's a tough one. Yeah, it's... Do you think it's a timing thing with a lot of... With, like, many genres? Like, do you think time plays a huge part in music making and impact in general? And it's especially in, in terms of heavy stuff as well. <sighs> That's tough to put a thing on as well because, you know, I've been around a bit and you've seen trends come and go and then trends come back and then reinvent themselves a little yeah, bit. So, saying, I mean, yeah. when we like we were discussing earlier, when we were breaking out of where we were, mm. around that time, there was Ghostfest and that kind yeah. of had, you know, Architects and then fucking, you know, The Boy Will Drown, Trigger the Bloodshed, Annotation Autopsy, Mart of the Filed, and then Ingested were creeping in. So we, we did get that kind of thing. So we weren't necessarily on the pulse of everything, but again, around that kind of time, that's, that's when like... You know the ba- bands like the Ghost Inside were really popular. I mean, they're still popular, but that's that was popular back then. Do you know what I mean? That was like this is what's cool, like the Ghost Inside yeah. and for the Fallen Dreams, and we just kind of hovered around it. It didn't really we were in with it, but we weren't there. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, trends come, trends are a thing. Um, Deathcore started kind of being a thing around 2007. That's mm-hmm. when people gave a shit. You know, Whitechapel were popping off. The Spies Icon were popping off. Oceano yeah. were coming through. Yeah, Suicide and then that, Silence as well, yeah. And then, you know, once the ghost inside and A Day to Remember, and that scene was kind of like starting to fizzle. So was Deathcore was kind of changing, but then fizzling out. And then the next thing was like, mm. you know, hardcore. Nasty's popular here. Look at Nasty. But then Deathcore's come back again. It's not the same as it was 10 years ago. It doesn't sound like the spies like an Oceano to me. It's this whole new thing now. It's It's fucking ah, it's technical it's got fucking tunnel throat vocals all over the place that's kind of what's going on now so I guess yeah there are trends that come and go trends reinvent themselves I'm not sure what's going to be next after this because I already hear you know you know bands like I don't know Brand of Sacrifice the Signs of the Swarm that's 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 what's happening now that's the kind of sound people are listening to um, yeah. we just We've just kind of like, we just hover. We've, all we do is hover in and out of shit. We, st- we have a line, there's your death metal line. There's your death <laughs> call. We just, we've just been hovering through like for the past 15 years. We're not massive, but we're not, you know, we're just, we're there. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's better to have, like you talk about trends, but surely like you've noticed, it's better to have like, I don't know, man, 10,000 people worldwide who are like dedicated fans than like, more than that, who are gonna who are gonna like flop and like drop out? No, I'm I'm hundred percent. I mean, I'm, I'm we're not bothered about you know getting being as big as Suicide Silence. I'm not too interested about that. As long as we get to a decent level and can sustain something decent, I'm, that's all I give a shit about. And you're right. I'd rather have ten thousand fans that really give a fuck about it, and we'll always buy an album every time. Then you know, next year we'll have you know fucking half a million 
listeners on Spotify, and then two years later we've gone back down to yeah. I don't. That's that's not sustainable. Just give me some dedicated, loyal fan base and a you know a decent, decent kind of career, sustainable career, if you will. Yeah, that's what I give a shit about. Yeah, and like I said, hopefully, eventually become a legacy band, but you know that's to be determined. Yeah, becoming a legacy band, it's uh, it's weird because you don't know until you finished, kind of thing. It's true. I mean, suffocation. I've finished now a legacy band, so yeah, very true. I'm not sure if I'll be doing it pushing up to fifty though. I'm they're old, sure old man. They're, they're so old. It's ridiculous. I mean, I think, I think Terence is in his fifties. I'm not sure where Derek is. Derek must be up there, up to his fifties. They're still doing it. So, and they are they are a legacy band, and then that's absolutely fine. They deserve that title, hundred percent. Um, I just hope we can be regarded as that at some point. That's if we stick around. You never know. Yeah, like what has what has kept the band going for fifteen years? Like, obviously, you felt an attachment to it, and like yeah. per- perseverance has always like overcome other emotions attached to it. Why? Because obviously, people stop, people drop off for various reasons. But why has ingested been so important to you to pl- to keep plowing through for yeah the past fifteen years? Of your life? I don't know. You know, I think about it. It's just we're, we're very stubborn humans. Yeah. Um, very stubborn Mancunians, if you will. I mean, Lynn's Welsh, but <laughs> he, may, he may as well be Mancunian at this point. Yeah. We're all very stubborn. He's stubborn as fuck, Jesus Christ. <laughs> We're just stubborn. And I, I, in different areas of the band, there's different people pulling, you know, pulling, the, pulling certain members along. Some members will drop off and, you know, the focus won't be still in there. But I think most of the time it's been me that's been pulling through because I'm just, I just need to do more. We need to do more. You know, everyone's got goals. I mean, you know, we've not met all of our goals yet. We've met goals along the way. But there's always got a driving force in the band. And I think for, you know, most of it has been me driving through and making sure we, we push through. And I just like writing tunes and I just want to keep just keep doing it. But, you know, nowadays, everyone's, we're all pulling our own strings. You know what I mean? We're pushing this way. Lynn, Lynn's a massive, um, He's more so than I am. Now, I just sit there and write some tunes and go, do you like this shit? Whereas Lynn's, Lynn's doing this, Lynn's doing that. Like, so he's yeah. keeping... As long as, as long as there's some, you know, one or two people in the band that are keeping busy and pushing forward for something, then we will be around. If, if at one point we all go go a bit stagnant and, you know, we stop write, I stop writing tunes and Lynn stops doing emails and talking to booking agents and Jay and Sam stop writing lyrics and stop doing the social medias and shit, then we will fade away. Until that point, um, I don't see us. I don't see us stopping anytime soon because there's, there's still a lot we need to do. You know, there's a lot of country we've not visited, and I don't feel that five albums is a good enough thing to leave behind. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, okay. It's not enough. It's not. It's not enough of a discography for me to sit back and feel satisfied like we've made a fucking dent here. I want enough. I want enough decent fucking albums to once we go that they're going to be people going to look at that Carl and go fucking that band was good. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I don't think. I don't think I don't think six is enough, mate. Maybe nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true because you got. To, I guess like you, you talk about yourself when you were like like sixteen, seventeen, flicking through HMV through like a band's entire discography. Yeah. I guess you want you know two generations down from you to do the same thing and be captivated by what they're hearing. Is that I'd is like that like you you want you want you want those listeners to feel how you felt? Sure, of course, man. I want all people to hear what we created hear some fucking heavy riffs, hear some passion in there, do you know what I mean? And also, two of us have got kids now, you know, we've sacrificed a lot along the way, now we've got children, so we've still been sacrificing, so to to just give up and it not be 
kind of worth anything. Like, I want my kids, you know, fucking 10, 15 years time. So I'll go, fucking hell, dad did this. Well done, yeah. dad. Fucking yeah. sick. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I, I want it to be an important thing in the life and I want them to be, because my dad was cool when I was younger. Do you know what I mean? He was on the radio. I was like fucking, we used to go into work with him when I, you know, when I was a kid and he's like, oh fuck, there's David Bowie. Hello, Noel Gallagher. That kind of shit. I was like, my dad's cool as fuck. Yeah, my dad's talking to fucking Faith No More today. He's sick. Do you know your what I mean? Dad, who, who's, your dad was on the radio. Who's your dad then? What, um, explain, explain, explain. He's, he's a, he, he was called Pete Mitchell. Right, okay. He, he worked on Key 103, uh, Absolute Radio, Virgin Radio, BBC, oh, wow. all that kind of shit. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was, it was decent, man. It was, it was ace. Unfortunately, he passed away last year. So yeah, sorry to hear, man. Sorry, sorry to bring that up. Yeah, um, no, no, totally fine. I, I don't mind talking about, it, but yeah, he, he, he yeah. Really cool. He's cool, man. Very cool job. I, I had some, I, I had amazing experiences as a kid growing up and stuff. So yeah. you know, I, I kind of want. It's never going to be the same because we, you know, my dad reached a certain career that that's hard to mimic. Do you know what I mean? The good thing for me, obviously, he's, he's not around anymore, but I can go on YouTube and see him talking to Noel Gallagher for 20 minutes. You know what I mean? That's, I can just, that's, that's what I, you know what I mean? I want that kind of thing for my boys. Once I go, it's like, oh, I miss my dad's voice. Well, yeah, he's a fucking YouTuber with me in the studio. Is me fucking, yeah. you know, that kind of shit. So that's important, I think. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. Because, yeah, it becomes more than, than just music. It's like, it's yeah. you. This is you as well. And Jesse is, yeah, I guess a lot, like you say, it's become your your art, your outlet. Yeah. That's why I don't think six albums is enough. There's a few more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. You can keep the foil going. Yeah, man. Okay. Um, so how, I want to speak to you about when you first went over to America. How yeah. was how was that for Jesse? Because I, I saw you play in Canada and uh, yeah, people were into it, man. Because I'd only ever seen you play in Birmingham before, I'd, I'd, like a while ago, and I'd never seen. And I was like, I wonder how people in Quebec are gonna uh, <laughs> like take this. I wasn't sure, yeah. but uh, people seem to really. Go on, sorry. Which show did you come to in Canada? Uh, I saw you guys with Despised Icon and Suffocation in. Was that at Club Soda? Nah, that's that was it. Was in Quebec City at the oh. Imperial Imperial Theatre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, Club Soda's in Montreal, I think. Montreal, yeah, yeah it's in Montreal. Um, yeah, they all speak French, though. But yeah, uh, yeah. How how was that going over there for the band? Because we spoke about Europe before, and you said it was like a, a really good introduction to a continent. How was how was going over the other side? I mean, our first tour in the states was 2015. Um, we were opening Devastation on the Nation, which has been co-headlined by Crisian and Origin. Which yeah. had, it also had Aeon, um, Surreption, and Alter Beast were on it as well. Yeah, I think that was it. But um, yeah, we, you know, you don't know how it's going to go down, do you? Once you go over the first time, but what's not? It turned out that people cared that we were over there. We were outselling more, a lot of those bands on that tour, merchandise wise. Yeah, and it became quickly apparent that we shouldn't have been open until we should have been middle in the middle thing, which is which is good. We were, you know, not every band gets over there, and uh, you know, I'm not saying we were an instant success, but people knew we weren't gave a fuck about us. You know what I mean? For sure, we weren't quite expecting it to go that well. Obviously, okay. there's certain territories, you know, certain states, certain cities that you know we're not great. They don't quite know who we are, but yeah. The majority of that's always pretty good and the majority of the time when we do go over there it's usually pretty good. Obviously, 
being part of a good tour and also being part of good tours and then, you know, you know, try headlining, see what that's like, then get another good tour. So, you, you know, you still got to raise the profile on that. But on the generally, you know, the States, the States is pretty good for us, to be fair. It's a good market. It's a good market. I'm glad, I'm glad we do as well as we do. Um, obviously, there's always room to improve, but that's a given, isn't it, really? Absolutely, mate. In everything. In everything. Um, so you've been involved with the music industry for, for like, you know, a decade, 15 years. What, what's, yeah, yeah. Your, what's your biggest problem with it as, as, as a whole? Is something I like to ask people. Everyone says something slightly different. It's, it's, it's a very unforgiving industry, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean the kind of things we we've struggled with. It's it, we've never really had the push that we think we deserve. We should have had in certain respects. You know what I mean? Like you know, we've had issues with the UK press. Not that the UK press, no, but we've personally felt we've had issues with the UK press where we felt like we should have been. You know, we should have been um, not. You know not forgotten about, but, you know, they, they seem to focus on, not the wrong bands, but bands that aren't really championing certain things, you know what I mean? I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to get into, you know, who's who and, what, you know, what bands I'm talking about, but oh, a lot yeah. of bands get, yeah. a lot of bands get a push when it's like, is you know, you're forgetting about this side of it, you know, yeah, we've yeah. been, yeah. name another band who, who tours the States as much as we have, who's got an impact there. I bet you can't name one other band that's done more, one UK band around our size that's done more US tours than we have. There fucking isn't one. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? We should we should be getting a push up here. Look, look what this look what I look what our homegrown talent is doing over, over on the other side of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and they we don't get the kind of respect that we we I think we deserve it, you know what I mean? But so yeah, that kind of thing where you don't you don't get the you don't get the push that you that, that's needed. I mean, when we started doing the touring circuit and stuff. Um, after Bone Crusher, we we didn't get a good we didn't get a good ride after that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we were getting these weird offers where you know we weren't getting paid and this kind of thing. It's like you know, oh, fuck yeah. So we weren't getting the push again. We just never kind of we were just never there enough. Do you know what I mean? There's always another band that was getting booked that you know lasted ten seconds and they were fucking gone. Do you know what I mean? We're still here fifteen years later and we're still struggling to get the push. Sometimes I yeah, think that's, that's the issue. Sometimes that can be the frustrating thing with the music industry. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. that's a, that's the thing with labels and some publications, man. It, there's there's a lot of paid promotion like this. Not, yeah, uh, that's, that's not, for sure. Not honest, like not honest promotion, and yeah, no one actually taking a minute to look around. It's all just you. We sign this guy's pushing, pushing, pushing. We'll pay a few quid, go, 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 and yeah. then whatever. And like, I keep, I still see it. I still see the same similar bands getting paid push. It's like, oh, you're in Kerrang today, are you? Oh, next week. Oh, we're in Metal Hammer today. <laughs> Fucking hell! All right. Let's have a look at your numbers on Spotify. Oh wait, we've got fifty thousand more, you know, subscribers than you do. Like, no, yeah, can, you know, what, what the fuck? Maybe, maybe you should put your money into these bands and then push them and see where we can go instead of just trying to get trying to shovel these down your throats. That doesn't seem to be working. Do you know what I mean? That kind of thing that fucks me off. But that's just the way it is. And I've yeah. learned to mm. that that sort of shit. I mean, it still pisses me off now, but it used to fucking really bother me coming up. Like not getting the right tours, the, you know, not getting the right booking agents. The the label thing's always a bit weird. I mean, we, we, we've been pretty lucky, but when we signed before we signed for you, Leader, we, which was in two thousand and sixteen, maybe. Yeah. We just yeah. we we kind of Siege of the Media kind of collapsed, and some of the roster went to Century Media, mm-hmm. um, and for the first 
couple of months in Central Media, it was fine, but Sony bought them out and half the fucking staff left and it sacked all the others. So then we became, we were here with Century Media, then Sony bought them and then we went like this. Yeah. So we were waiting two weeks for an email. Do you know what I mean? So whoever, I can't remember his name, whoever we were got, it was thrown onto, he didn't give a shit. It wasn't, it wasn't a priority to him. So we had to get off the label because we realised we're just going to die here. And so we got released and then trying to sign a deal we put the feelers out to a load of labels and no one was giving a shit. And we're like, really? You don't see any worth in what we've got? And so, you know, we were left with a small pill to choose from. I mean, I'm glad we signed Unit Leader because, you know, when we were, like I said, when we were starting out doing the, the slam stuff, Unit Leader was a fucking huge, huge inspiration for us. You know what I mean? They had bands, yeah. you know, like Inveracity, Disavowed, fucking Beheaded, all that kind of shit we were well into back then. So it was a nice home to be with, but... My point being is there wasn't a lot to choose from. I'm not saying we, we weren't aiming for that kind of label, but it was just odd to be left with not a lot of choice. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then again, it's another, it's another frustrating thing about the business. It's just like, you just think, oh, do you know what? We're doing all right. There's going to be interest, but no one cared. So, you know, that is what it is. It's just, the, I don't know what it is. We, 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 like I said, we just keep floating through. You know, we get these breaks here and there. Yeah, I think I think even people who deal with subgenres of music in terms of labels, they still act like a major label would uh, treat like a, a like you know an indie rock pop act. You yeah. know, just that short term, short term money, money situation. Really, it's a real shame when people don't see like integrity and stuff. As um, yeah, do you feel that as well? And is is that always insult? Has, has it been a bit insulting in a way at, at times? It can be, do you know what I mean? I think we yeah. have got a lot of integrity. You know, we've for sure, we've yeah. Not, we've not we've not kissed anyone's ass. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I'm, it doesn't matter now because the band. I'm, the example I'm going to use now is like there was a time when we got invited down to London to be part of um, a terrorizer photo shoot with the best of British kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and one of the bands that ended up being on the front cover bought bought flowers for everybody in the office. That kind of shit. Like we've oh, never, we've, ne- we've never licked someone's ass. We've never, we've never done anything like that. It's like we've never been about that kind of shit. And I think that's probably what's affected us. You know what I mean? We don't. We may have spoke our minds through through the years and just been, you know, just been us. We've not kissed ass. And I guess no, no. That's what some of the. That's what some people want. You want? Come on, kiss my ass. And we'll put you in here. Do you know what I mean? But we've never been about that. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, you are right. I'm proud of our integrity. And yeah. You know, whether or not we struggle with certain things in the industry, which we have. Is it our own fault? Maybe. I don't know, but we're not gonna we're gonna, you know, don't need a need to hold our hands, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's some flowers, some chocolates. <laughs> yeah, Thornton's not yeah, fucking man. it's not it's not happening, mate. It's not happening. So Yeah, fuck that. Man. I guess that's another reason why we're still going, because we're just that angry little fuckers that <laughs> just like, no, you tell us no, so we're gonna fucking keep going anyway, prove you all wrong. So Yeah. Yeah, man, I like that answer. Um, I will ask so my mate who who does some of the other episodes. He likes to ask people uh, if they could go back to any gig, what would they go to? So I'll ask you that question. As a yeah, it's a nice little topic to go to. Any gig playing or attending, or it doesn't matter. Both, man, A and B playing and attending. Go with that. Oh fucking hell, that's hard, mate. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it is fucking hard, man. I know. I think that would be oh my God. That is insanely hard to answer. Um, yeah, go on. Yeah, go go with playing. Say, like, 
what gig do you remember playing and it really felt like something was happening and it was like very proud to step off the stage that you that you had done something that night we played when we were doing Bone Crush obviously our first time in Europe it was our first time in France and we played um, in Paris I always remember that show being fucking insane and walking off going fuck me that was good yeah um, when I was in annotations and autopsy we played I sold out Coco's in London with Cannibal Corpse and Dying Fierce and that was that was another I walked out and went fucking hell do you know what I mean like top have you ever been to Coco's no, no, I've never been. Like a, I've seen, I've seen pictures of it. I know it's high, isn't it? It's a high. Yeah, it's like, like, a, an old, like a. Yeah, yeah, it's like a theatre kind of thing. So like, all yeah. oh, the balconies were full, and I was just looking up, going, "Fuck me!" And the stage was big for me. It was, it was big. That kind of that thing. It's big, man. It's like a fifteen hundred cap room. That is fucking big. Yeah. Um, playing more recently. Playing, we did a festival circuit in twenty eighteen. We played Rockstar. That was pretty cool. Yeah. It was like, I think there's about nine thousand out there. Something like that, anyway. And then my favourite UK show I've ever done was um, Bloodstock. Oh, we played Bloodstock. In, we, yeah, okay. We played the Lancaster stage in the in the big tent. Yeah. Um, and we we're like, oh, now this is going to go. Do you know what I mean? I'm not sure how many people are going to turn up. But, you know, we started sound checking and uh, getting set up. And was like, oh, there's a few. Yeah, it's all right, this. It's all right, this. And by the time we're on the stage, the tent was full. It was pushing out the tent. I was like, fuck, Yes. Yeah, man. So, I mean, I think the tent holds about 5,000, so you can probably expect another 1,000 trying to get in. So that that was a good fucking show. I won't forget. I'd love to go back to that one. Yeah. Um, attending a gig, one's popped into my head. Uh, Slipknot in 2002 uh, for the Disaster Pieces tour. Have you seen the DVD? I have, man. Some good stuff. That yeah. It was that show. It was that sh- on that tour cycle. That, yeah. that was a fucking show back then, man. Yeah, I'd have gone back to that one. Yeah. That was a great one. Unreal, mate. What are your, yeah, man, plans for the, like, for the rest of the year, like, music-wise? You pretty much just waiting to tour the new album. I, I saw, like, you push it back to, like, next year? Yeah, it's gone back to 2022 now, I think. Fucking hell. It just keeps getting further and further away. I don't know what we're going to do. Um, but the one thing we can do is keep writing. I mean, it's a shame that we can't promote Wearing God's Matred um, yeah. by the time touring's going to come back it's going to be an old album in terms of like you said before the uh, the attention span of the fans these days so you need content is key apparently these days you can't wait three or four years to release an album because people are going to kind of forget about you so in that respect releasing the EP that we just released that was yeah. keeping us in keeping us in the mind of things we've got a couple of things we've not announced this year up our sleeves but always expect us to continually be writing we are writing as we speak I'm not sure the trajectory of it when it's going to come to light, but we are very deep into the writing process of it. So, you know, that's what we can do and that's what we're going to do. Do you know what I mean? Same thing with the live stream. We didn't know what the fuck we were going to do. There was literally going to be no show playing any new material. So we thought, fuck. I think we jumped on that live stream pretty quick, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, we looked at Behemoth and went, well, we can't do that because we've not got a millionaire in the band. So what, <laughs> yeah, yeah. what yeah. can we do that's affordable for us but is effective? And I think the product we, we managed to get out for the budget that we had was bang on, honestly, yeah. is pretty fucking good, man. Honestly, yeah. like it, just, it really worked out well for us, that live stream. And it, it, it's a good showcase. And it, it's, you know, we look good in it. Do you know what I mean? The, the gig looks pretty sick. So, 
Yeah, know, we got to play time. some new. We get to play some new material. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's actually like showcasing the new record in a live set. Yeah, yeah. we'll take that. That'll do. If, if we don't play gigs again ever, I'm, I'm glad we caught that one on film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Uh, live streams are weird, man. How was it playing with, with like no audience? Was it like doing a really good band practice kind of thing? I don't know. How did, how how was it? Yeah, it, was, it was odd. It was odd. Um, yeah, we were we were using in ears for the first time. So, you know, it all went down on that show, like a load of shit we were doing that we'd never done before. But oh, the yeah. in-air things was different because mm. even if there was a crowd there, I'm not going to be hearing or feeling that because I've just got this shit in my ears, you know what um, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and to be fair, it was pretty fucking dark. There was no lights beyond us. There was no lights. We were quite aware of the cameraman and stuff, so that kind of took you away from it a bit. But, you know, the odd occasion when you get up to the riser and he's like, oh, there's... There's, Empty. there's, Mario, there's Mario, our sound engineer there's the lighting guy and there's some of the crew from Rockify hi guys you know what I mean it was all it's just weird yeah it was weird but it was weird that we couldn't get the adrenaline kick because yeah. you know you get that through but and I mean it was the longest set we'd ever played as well so and obviously we, at that point we hadn't played for seven months so we'll, we'll, the rehearsals that we had were on that stage a few days prior and it was long and grueling to, the stress levels were fucking through the roof as well mm. so yeah. That being part of it, that was tough. I mean, the crowd would have made it better, but it's, that's a good, you had a job to do, just fucking crack on and do it, innit? Yeah, man. Would you, because I don't know, I, I can see some bands doing this live stream thing again, even when the world's spinning properly. Like, would Ingested do that, or was it was it a pandemic occasion? No, we, we have actually spoke to the company saying we, we, we could do something again. I'm not sure what that'd be, but um, yeah, no, we're open to do things. I'm surprised there's not been more. It seems to have been a an exciting oh. thing. And people did it, didn't they? Like, Beam off, we're doing it. Black Dahlia Media are doing it. And then, oh, and then it's kind of like, it's got quiet again. I don't seem to think of another live stream that's been going on. So I'm not sure what's going on with it. Do you know what I mean? I'm not sure if it has caught on like people may thought it has. But I think it has and it hasn't. I think... My dad watched one. It was obviously nothing heavy, but he had like a sick time like watching, yeah. watching this band play. And like a few of my mates have done it and they're like, some say it was sick, some say it was like, oh, I don't know, man. It was like weird not being at the show and everything. I think it all depends, yeah. but I think live streams are cool and I think it does offer a complete new, it does offer a new aspect to the songs as well because it, it is seeing the band in like a raw format as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, but I mean, if that's what has to happen until things can go back to normal, then that's what bands will do. Yeah, I mean, if the they, only option if, really. What else are you gonna do? If, if things seem to continue to keep being pushed away and further and further, and further away, I mean, we will let you know. We we still not sure what's gonna happen at the back end of this year. I mean, at no. least the vaccinations are coming in, so maybe things might start to improve. But yeah. I mean, getting how many people live in this country? It was fucking sixty million or something stupid. Loads, mate. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna take some fucking time to get done, man. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, that's a task. That is like both jobs. That is a task. Well. Yeah, so. exactly. So if we have to do a live stream again, we'll fucking do one. If you're you know people are dying to get to a gig, we'll we'll do a live stream for you. We'll figure yeah, it out. We'll show up, man. The last one was really cool. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, thank you very much for your time and everything. I really enjoyed that. Appreciate it. My pleasure, mate. Anytime. Well, keep looking after yourself, man. Stay positive, stay healthy and everything. Uh, thank you once again. Right back at you, man. Take care, yeah? You as well, mate. Sound in a bit. See you later. Ta-ra.